I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, March 31st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in about seven minutes. Brett, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a report about housing in Ontario and how we were all messed up. We did not have enough supply to meet the overwhelming demand, and the province said they were going to do something about it. What, what did we learn today? Well, they released what the legislation will look like. And, you know, what I really want to stress is that we have a housing crisis right now. <laughs> Most people my age are not able to afford a home, which is a big part of our social contract. And the provincial government has responded with a few incremental changes as to how things are done. Jay, there's one, which is the foreign buyers tax will be expanded beyond just Toronto into everywhere throughout the province. So, you know, I guess that's important. But the big thing is that in the housing task force report, there was going to be or there was a recommendation that they allow for automatic rezoning of any property if it's below four stories. And so you could build density in a bunch of neighborhoods. I was just in Montreal. If you walk around Montreal, it's like a lot of four story buildings. There's no lot of skyscrapers. It's four story buildings, which allows for more housing. And that's not included in it at all. And it strikes me that we're very close to a provincial election. And so it just seems like a lot is being done, even though you're saying really incremental and too late and building housing is a years or decades long endeavor well not to get you know too political because you know we hate doing that jay but it, there was a reaction to the housing task force report from big like from municipalities from mississauga in particular was very unhappy with it and i think that kind of spooked the government into walking it back a bit now you know there's hope that maybe after the election is over and if they win another majority government they'll be able to follow through on the other recommendations but you know that's that's a while away well, Brett, aside from our constant conversation about the housing challenges, really in Ontario and BC and a lot of other places in Canada, what do we have for Peak Palace today? We'll connect us to the first story. For our first yeah. story, new meta office. For our second story, $2 store. And for our third story, legalize it. For our first story, the company formerly known as Facebook, which is now called Meta, they announced this week that they are building an engineering hub in downtown Toronto and will look to hire 2,500 skilled workers to build technology for the metaverse. Brett, you can't live in the metaverse and 2,500 new people need to live somewhere. And you're going to tell me, I think that they're going to make a lot of money. But what are we what are we talking about here? Well, the first thing, Jay, is that the Peak Daily, you know, it's a real thing when we got invited to this event with the premier. And so I, I went alongside our editor, Sarah Barnica, which was kind of cool. And basically what's happening is that Canada and Toronto in particular has quickly risen to become one of North America's largest technology hubs. And this is thanks to a growing pool of resources and cheaper than the US labor. And so giants like Apple, Amazon, Twitter, and Google, they have all already set up engineering outposts across the city. And any job board that you look at will show you there's no shortage of tech jobs here in Canada. But according to the Globe and Mail, talent scarcity is driving up salaries by 30% a year as companies battle for the best engineers, the best developers, and the best designers. Now, a Meta spokesperson told the Peak Daily that these new highly skilled jobs create opportunities for Canadian talent to remain in or even move to Canada, adding that everyone benefits when the ecosystem grows. And since RBC CEO David McKay, or DMAC, I think we're calling him, said that the battle for top <laughs> talent is on his list of the top concerns for 2022, he said this earlier this year, we talked about that again on the pod a few months ago, TD Bank, CIBC, CSIS, and countless up-and-coming Canadian startup publicly announced newly opened tech roles recently. So the boom is here. You think anyone's ever called him DMAC? You have, I have. That's two. And for some, the market is too competitive. While CIBC is hiring several hundred roles, the bank 
has focused on providing over 2,000 developers with new skills rather than looking externally for talent with the same capabilities. This is all according to Bloomberg. Now, not everybody sees Meta's move as a good thing. Benjamin Bergen, the president of the Council of Canadian Innovators, told The Peak Daily, quote, Every week, we hear from homegrown Canadian tech companies about the challenge of recruiting and retaining talent. And he added the economic value that Meta creates, the revenue, the intellectual property, the data, it accrues primarily to the U.S. Policymakers, in his opinion, should be more focused on helping Canadian companies grow and staff up rather than supporting U.S. ones. And that's why, Brett, I guess it really matters because... Because Canada's run on comparatively cheap labor, and it might not be sustainable if the country is looking to keep tech talent in the country. And it will require investments and opportunities for young Canadians to pursue studies in STEM, in science, technology, and engineering and mathematics. Now, the new federal budget that's coming out on April 7th might hold some answers about how we can actually grow the pie, uh, the grow the, the skilled labor pie. And Brett, not to go back to the housing part that we kicked off with, but all the tech jobs do drive real strong demand for housing and people that can really afford to pay way too much. Just look at the Bay Area of California as what happened to housing prices when tech jobs roll into town. Yeah, or Seattle. Yep. Now, for our second story, remember when things at the dollar store were actually $1? Well, this was actually news to me. That hasn't been the case at Canada's largest dollar store chain since early 2009. And I actually went to Dollarama on the weekend. I was buying, it doesn't matter what I was buying, but I was buying (laughs) flip-flops and a water bottle to go to the spa with. Uh, and I noticed that there was not much for a dollar. And so what's what's going on with the dollar? <laughs> well, I just like that you were buying those things, the dollar share. So in, tw- in 2009, <laughs> Dollarama had just gone public and was reaping the benefits of Great Recession as more people started to shop at discount stores. It was the perfect moment to introduce higher quality products, but they would cost customers, well, an extra buck. In the decade plus since, Dollarama responded to rising inflation and the weakened loony by raising its max prices even further to $3 in 2012, in 2016, and now $5 in 2022. Only this time, there aren't any new items coming to sweeten the pot. This is, I think, the perfect indicator of inflation, (laughs) in my opinion. So Dollarama says it's raising prices to offset inflating costs for transportation, packaging, and plastic that are hitting the retail sector hard. Now, despite seeing a 7.6% increase in sales in 2021, as the pandemic-led cash-strapped consumers move towards bargain bins and away from more expensive items, But Dollarama made the most of these sales increases, boosting its net earnings by nearly $100 million. Now, in the coming year, the company plans to open 60 to 70 new stores and is forecasting sales growth of 4 to 5%. And here's why you should all care. The idea of a store where everything costs only a dollar, well, it's utopian for one, but doesn't account for the creature that is inflation. Still, if we can't find bargains at the dollar store anymore, Brett, where are you going to buy flip-flops and water bottles to go to the spa? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the real bargain is. The Peak Daily. It's all the news you need for free every morning. The ultimate bargain. It's pretty good. No flip-flops or water bottles required. Yeah. And for our final story, after a slow but steady decline in recent months and years now, Canadian cannabis companies are seeing a surge as the U.S. House of Representatives votes tomorrow on a bill that would declassify cannabis as a controlled substance on a federal level and potentially... If this all goes according to plan, which is unlikely, but if it all does, open the market for Canadian cannabis companies. Jay, you're a resident cannabis expert. What's happening in in Congress? Well, uh, good question. So Trulieve posted, Trulieve is a big cannabis company based in the U.S., uh, posted a 24% gain on Wednesday, while Canopy Growth and Tilray, which are 
cannabis companies based here in Canada, both saw modest but noticeable jumps last week when it was first announced that the bill would see the floor. And the reason is because something called the Moore Act, which would not only turn cannabis into a legal substance at the federal level in the U.S., but also may allow for Canadian growers to impose a new tax regime on production and imports, meaning Canadian pot could maybe hit the U.S. market or Canadian companies that are well-financed here could enter the U.S. market a lot more easily. And some cannabis experts, including our <laughs> resident one, are skeptical that anything will come of the bill. If it is approved, it will still have to pass through the Senate, where Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he has his own rival bill called the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act, which is similar but different and has a whole other process to go through. And there's something called the Safe Banking Act, which would eliminate the federal barriers that deny cannabis businesses access to financial services and capital markets in the U.S., which has its own path through Congress. But also Chuck Schumer, who's the majority leader of the Senate, doesn't just want to pass the Safe Banking Act. The House doesn't want to not pass the Safe Banking Act. It's very complicated, but the House, the Senate, and the White House disagree on how to move this thing forward. But that's right. But even if the act doesn't pass, it will serve as a bellwether. So we kind of know where people sit on this. Uh, anyways, for Jay, for Canadians, why does progress on the federal legalization of cannabis in the U.S. matter? Well, after a promising start, Canadian cannabis companies have, let's just say, faltered on the public markets as U.S. legalization efforts have not come to pass. And that's really the greenest of green pastures. But despite recent gains, canopy growth still has seen a 74% decline over the past 12 months until raised recent highs are 90% off it's all-time high. So these are the stock prices. But access to bigger markets does promise potential growth for Canadian companies and Canada's GDP and uh, associated with it. But it also offers a real threat of American competition that we have not actually had to deal with on the Canadian front. Peak Palace, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, I like when cannabis expertise comes in handy on the Peak. Yeah, it's a nice merging of the worlds. <laughs> Have a good day, Brett. You too.